This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. You ever get the feeling like time is going faster and faster? That is, faster and fastest, faster toward the return of Christ? That's why it was a little troubling to me when I listened to a former Secretary of State, denominated an evangelical Christian, tell a group this Saturday that he believed that the first 250 years of the United States of America was about to be repeated as long as we could just get our government together. He says, and we will do that. We're the greatest nation on earth. We'll do that for another 250 years. I thought to myself, really? As an evangelical Christian, you really believe that? He said, well, I'm an an optimist. Well, that is optimism, all right, when you see the signs approaching so radically and so drastically, friends, and rapidly. I'll tell you, uh, if you believe that, that history is going to go on as we have known it in the past and become even more, uh, America will become even more great and the world will succumb to America's wooing and warning and so on, for the next 250 years, you have a whole lot more faith in this country than perhaps you ought to have. Maybe our faith should be shifted. Now, I believe in our country, and I love my country. I love it very much and have since I was a kid. I've never been neutral with regard to my country and have been extremely patriotic. In fact, What I do today is an expression of patriotism, ultimate patriotism toward our country, notwithstanding the fact that God called me to do what I do, to woo and warn the people. So I ask you the question again as we launch into the program today. Do you feel like time is going faster? Well, obviously, if you're getting older, it always seems that way. The older we get, the quicker... Time seems to fly past, and uh, yet Scripture itself seems to speak of this acceleration in the pace of living uh, in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, he prophesies of the end times, even as Jesus cited it in the New Testament. The last chapter alerts us to something interesting happening prior to Christ's return, and that is, he says, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. In other words, things are going to move very rapidly. Knowledge is going to increase. Well, it's always increased, but nothing like it's been increasing in the last, say, 10 years, or 100 years for that matter, or certainly during my lifetime, much less than 100 years. Satan, though, knows that his time is very short, and his end-time emissary is going to work to wear out the saints of the Most High and plan to change times and laws. And we know him as the Antichrist or counterfeit Christ figure. So the book of Daniel also alerts us that there's going to be a time of trouble such as never was since there's been a nation even to that time. It's called, in one place, the time of Jacob's trouble. In the New Testament, it's referred to as the Great Tribulation. But there's going to be tribulation before the great tribulation. Times of trials and troubles 
Jesus warned about it. Peter warned about it. Paul warned about it. John warned about it. It seems like the scripture is replete with those warnings. So how are we to look at things as they're appearing today, occurring right in front of our eyes, even this very day? The Bible teaches us that the return of Jesus Christ to this planet is going to be like a woman in childbirth. And every woman knows there's definitely a quickening pace as that baby is about to be born. The closer you get to nine months, the more apparent it is that that woman is going to have a baby. And then she begins to know the signals are there. And uh, she begins to pant breathe and she begins to experience those birth pangs. And it gets more and more rapid until finally there is the emergence of that baby and all the pain is forgotten. The baby is rejoiced over. Well, it's like that, Jesus said, toward coming toward his second coming. It's good news in these turbulent times to reflect on his promised return. And as we await the blessed hope in the appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, in the meantime, right now, what time, whether time uh, seems to go swiftly or slowly or have a mission to carry out, we do have a mission. And we're told right there in Matthew chapter 24 that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. Well, one of the things that's fascinating, and certainly there are ministries uh, that are far more uh, broadly spread than this one. But when I heard three months ago from one of our podcast sites, uh, the uh, uh, Charisma Media podcast site, that our program was actually heard that month, actually heard in 180 countries. I thought, wow, this is amazing. Actually heard in 180 countries. And that coming from a ministry with such a relatively small budget, that's amazing. Only God could effectuate something like that. And the reality is the reports coming from uh, those who are translating the Bible into various languages, the reports are that we're right on the near edge of the completion of all of that work even to the smallest dialects across the world. Things are moving very, very rapidly, friends. And so, the question is, how long, how long is it going to be? And, as Peter said, that is the Apostle Peter, he said, don't forget this one thing, friends, that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. So the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some people count slowness, but he's patient with you, not wanting that anyone shall perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. But, he said, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In other words, it's going to come suddenly to most people. So the Apostle Paul said to the Thessalonians, hey, folks, he said, don't, don't you be caught up in the fear and apprehension because you should know, you know of what's coming. So you shouldn't be like everybody else. 
You shouldn't be worrying and fretting. It shouldn't take you by surprise because you know that it's coming. So get ready. Be prepared. Get ready. Get ready for what? Well, Peter said, since you're looking forward to this, the second coming, make effort, every effort to be found of Christ spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Well, that's our goal right here on Viewpoint, day after day, to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. That's our goal. We do it in many, many different ways. Today, we're going to take a look at the unbelievable and rapid spread of globalism that is necessary to fulfill biblical prophecy. I hope you'll stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. In my book, King of the Mountain, I write of this issue of globalism as globalism versus God. Well, it also is the gospel of Satan himself. It is the hope of a message spread by Satan through his emissaries that have rejected the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord and are seeking to save themselves through a counterfeit system known as globalism or a one-world government. All contrary to the express word of God, to the express warnings of God, and to emulate the infamous Tower of Babel. Now, we've talked about this many times, but today on Viewpoint, we're going to move forward to many new developments. And I hope you'll make an opportunity to stay tuned because, friends, what we're going to see here is such a rapid, rapid movement even to this very moment. Yes, this very moment. So, as Satan, this latter-day, latter-time traitor in trust, is seeking to gain global dominion, to invite men to sacrifice the eternal souls for the promise of temporal peace and prosperity, Satan's global government gospel has to become nearly universally embraced. Now, how is that going to happen? That's what we want to see today here on Viewpoint. How is it going to happen, and how is it actually happening in real time, in our time, even this very weak. Shockingly, the uh, former Italian president, Giorgio Napolitano, stated at a news congress, con, uh, conference, even now, anyone who resists the EU is a terrorist. In other words, what he was really saying is anyone who resists this movement toward global government is, in our estimation, a terrorist, because this is what we're doing. 
we are going to establish first the EU as the model and then a world government. Now, anyone who could be broadly labeled terrorist today is likely to be deemed traitor tomorrow. So as it was with ancient Rome, this resurrecting end-time Rome will brook no opposition once enthroned. So how would such universal acceptance be achieved? How will we win the mind and heart of the world to passionately embrace globalism as the ultimate gospel for peace on earth, goodwill toward men? Well, we, that is, professing Christians, are not going to do that. I hope, because if you do, you will be part and parcel of the ungodly majority who will not be experiencing the second coming of Christ with joy. You will experience it with terror when he finally comes, because you'll realize you have been desperately deceived. But God doesn't want you to be deceived. And so in his love and in his mercy, he gives us a very significant time of preparation, just like he gives a mother who is with child, gives her nine months to prepare for the coming of that child in many different ways. So, God gives us adequate preparation, in fact, more than adequate preparation, generous preparation to be able to be ready, mind, heart, soul, spirit, body, for that event. But massive spiritual deception is mounting as the final bridge, bidding politicians and pastors and priests and parishioners and parachurch leaders and, yes, popes to cross over a worldly Jordan into a counterfeit promised land of global security and prosperity, which they like to call shalom or peace. So globalism is in reality the anti-gospel that's choreographing an increasingly faithless feeling-driven world in a final collective rebellion against God in the battle for king of the mountain. So, I just shared some words with you in the final uh, pages of the chapter, Globalism versus God, in my book, King of the Mountain, which you can obtain this month only for $10. In fact, I'll repeat again, this month only, we're right at the end of the month now, and we made this opportunity for our listeners to obtain all of my books for $10 each, except for Antichrist and Messiah, the last two, which you can obtain for $15 instead of $22 each. Very, very, very generous options, offers to you. And what's also great about it is that for the first book, there's only $5 postage and handling. For every successive book, only $2 postage and handling. So the net effect of this is people can obtain virtually all of my books for around $100. That's amazing. And we're doing this because we see the time is short. The message must get out 
We need to make it available to you so that you then, as, shall we say, the human satellite agencies out there can begin to get it out more broadly to your friends, Romans, countrymen, your neighbors, your friends, your your uh, uh, parents, your uh, spouses, your children, and so on. We want you to use this opportunity to spread the messages. Even if you wanted to get 10 copies of one book, that's great. That's fine. Or you can get one of each of them. Whatever you want to do. But make sure you do it right away. You go to the website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Or you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Okay, now here we go. Hang on to your seatbelts, my friends, because the Jerusalem Post is now announcing an Israeli AI revolution. Here it is. This is the headline. AI revolution. I've never seen technology get adopted so fast. Sounds like the book of Daniel. They call it generative AI. Has been embraced by an astounding 49% of respondents in a span of less than one year. Signaling one of the most rapid technological adoptions ever witnessed in history. The Israeli platform developer Salesforce recently unveiled the results of the latest research endeavor titled Generative AI Snapshot Research. And here's what they discovered. This survey conducted across the United States, the UK, Australia, and India gathered insights from over 4,000 respondents revealing an astonishingly rapid rate of adoption for generative AI technology. Over one-third of the users are integrating generative AI into their daily lives already with plans to increase its usage further. The transformational technology is evidently captivating the world at an unprecedented pace. I'm sharing this from an article that came in the Jerusalem Post just uh, a couple of weeks ago. Enthusiastic super users, consisting of 75%, uh, 65% of millennials and Generation Z members, with 72% currently employed, stands out for their confidence and trust in the technology. Nearly 60% of these users believe they are well on their way to mastering generative AI, and a significant 70% of Gen Gen Z users have embraced the technology, with 52% expressing trust in its capacity to do what they hope it will do. AI usage has taken off in less than a year, remarked Clara Shee, the CEO of Salesforce AI. She said, in my career, I have never seen technology get adopted this fast. Well, friends, it has to get adopted that fast in order for globalism and the new global order to take hold within the next couple of years. Yes, you heard me correctly. 
within the next couple of years, two, three, maybe four. And for that reason, Joe Biden now has announced this week a new climate army. 20,000 foot soldiers, strong to be paid by the U.S. government to fight the battles of global warming. He says there nowhere is there more critical than accelerating the climate crisis. I thought the crisis accelerated itself. He says, no, we have to accelerate the crisis. Why would we have to accelerate a crisis? I thought you wanted to diminish a crisis. But he said, no, we need to accelerate it. Now, you know, this issue has been known for years as global warming, and before that it was called global cooling until warming and cooling stopped, and then it's called climate change, and it's believed by activists to be the biggest crisis facing the world, even though a coalition of 1,600 scientists just a couple of weeks ago signed a statement that there is no climate emergency at all. Doesn't matter to Joe Biden. Why? Because they need a climate emergency to be perceived by the majority of the people on the planet in order to capture their sense that they must conform to the restrictions that are going to be placed by the government and to do it quickly and without resistance. Otherwise, you will not have a planet on which to live and the whole world is going to disintegrate. That's their view. So Biden says the U.S. must accelerate the climate crisis. In other words, bring every single person on this planet, and particularly in America, to see this as a consummate crisis that cannot be avoided, and therefore we must knuckle on to every freedom-despising, freedom-taking action of the government of the United States in order to lead us into the utopian vision of global government. It's happening very quickly, friends. Then came this article last week. Climate cult high priests increasingly rule the world. Rule the world. Climate cult high priests increasingly rule the world. David Kapalian wrote this piece for World Net Daily. And uh, he's looking at those who are leading this effort toward uh, climate anxiety, just as uh, Joe Biden is uh, seeking to accelerate. He said they're creating a climate change apocalypse predicting that in just a few years the earth may well become miserable, wretched, and almost uninhabitable by human beings. That's what the high priests of climate change apocalypse are doing. But such a grim future will not come about because of catastrophic climate change, as global warming zealots claim. Rather, the earth will rapidly degenerate into pitiful and desolate habitat for mankind, they protect with massive suffering and death if their genuinely catastrophic agenda is actually implemented. 
Huh. Okay. So now we've got it going both ways. If you do follow Joe Biden's initiative, and that of so many around the world, the global elite, so to speak, then the idea is you're going to save the world. But then the very tools and uh, economic factors that are being used to so-called carry out this salvation of the world are actually creating more danger to the world and will eventually bring about massive poverty such that the world has never seen. What are we to believe? This is what's happening right in front of us. And how about the digital shekel? Is that about to come from Israel? There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. And now, friends, as we look at the rapid move toward the global agenda espoused by Klaus Schwab there as the founder and head of the World Economic Forum, uh, who has renamed, given a euphemistic name or title to the new global order, he calls it the Great Reset, that has been adopted by many, including Joe Biden, as a nicer, softer way of uh, saying we're heading into a global government that will take away your freedoms, including your religious freedom. So here we go in this next segment. We take a look at what's happening in the economic field to begin with. From the Jerusalem Post two weeks ago, The Israel Central Bank says digital shekel launch an open question. Israel Central Bank is pushing forward with plans to issue a digital shekel, citing the need to improve the country's payment systems. In November of 2021, the Bank of Israel stepped up its research in preparation for the possible issuance of a digital shekel. Either way said the Bank of Israel governor, we remain committed to be at the frontier, and more than that, to support the effort of pushing the frontier the frontier, for our, uh, in the financial system in general. What are they saying? We're going to convert to a she- uh, digital shekel. In other words, there will be no more coin called the shekel. It'll be digital. Now, they're not the only ones. This move is all over the world, 
And here's one that just came out yesterday. Bank to phase out cash, checks, and phone payments in 2024. And moving to digital-only transactions. Here it is. Macquarie Bank, Australia's fifth-largest bank, announced it will phase out cash, checks, and phone payments in 2024 as it transitions to digital-only transactions. The bank told customers they'll be unable to write or deposit checks and withdraw or deposit cash over the counter by November of 2024. That's a year and a half from now, friends. Not quite a year and a half from now. A year and three months or so from now. We don't need to go into the, any more details concerning that. This, these are just illustrations from Israel to Australia and uh, in the U.S. and all over the world, even in Africa, to digitize our economies, including all money. Now, what's the effect of that? The effect of that, friend, is you become nothing more than a number. You are a mere number, a mere digit, so to speak. Therefore, as a digit, a digital designation by the reigning government, whatever it is, whether it's your state, your nation, or the new world government, they have absolute control over whether you are able to survive economically. Because you own nothing now. You have no money. Not really. Your money is not just but a digital reference in some system, some electronic system somewhere. And who's running it? Well, first of all, your bank is running it. But then very quickly, your state may be running it. Or maybe your federal government is running it initially. And then ultimately... The world government is running it. Are you beginning to see the implications here? Someone called me today from another state listening to this program. He said, I really love your program, but what should I do? How can I make investments? Is there anything safe anywhere out there? How should I govern these things? And I said, in reality, there is nothing safe. No, you do the best you can to make investments that are consistent with uh, godliness and keeping your trust in the Lord. And beyond that, ultimately, there is no safe reservoir. Even your so-called gold and silver can be ruled illegal. It's done that before, hasn't it, in this country? So when all of those are promoting owning gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, it may be a good hedge against inflation, but it's not a good hedge against digitization. Especially when the government outlaws your ability to own it. Now what are you going to do? 
You say, well, I'll use it. I'll barter it on the open market. I'll, I'll get out there in the black market behind the scenes. And I'll really, so you're going to take your silver bar and you're going to cut it up into little bitty pieces and you're going to trade it off for a loaf of bread or eggs or whatever it is. You're going to do that? Or you're going to make your car payment with uh, uh, a gold coin, right? Or what if what you want to buy is far less expensive than the denomination or weight of gold that you have? Are you going to start taking your scissors or a chisel or something and uh, split up your gold coin? You see how ultimately very foolish in a digitized world that will become in reality. So look, friends, I'm not putting down people's ability to try to hedge against inflation. There's nothing wrong with that. But please, do not fall to the temptation to put your trust, your final trust, in any kind of earthly wealth. As the Bible says, it can disappear and take up wings like an eagle and just fly away overnight. Look, that's why we have to come to the place of trusting God absolutely right now. You have to lead your children and your grandchildren to that level of trust. And it's going to be tough because they don't want to hear it. And neither do you, right? But a coach has to tell the team tough things if you're going to win, if you're going to survive. And it's time for us to toughen up. Because when the going gets tough, the tough have to get going, as the coach says. How many times have I said that to young men? All right. So that gives us a look at the economic aspect. Oh, but we still have a number of aspects yet to come. For instance, from the Russian Times, Russia's pivot to the east is irreversible, says a business uh, leader. Russia's pivot to the east is irreversible. But what's this talking about? Here's another one from the Russian Times. With Europe in decline... Russia's unique geography gives it a huge opportunity to embrace Asia. So Russia's been given the left foot of fellowship from Europe, where technically it is a part of, and now it has forced Russia and Vladimir Putin to embrace Asia, beginning with China one of the two largest populations in the world. So here's Russia with the largest land base, land mass of the entire world in its its country, combined with China, the second largest population in the world, and with other Asian countries that it is grooming into its arms, including Africa. So another whole realm of geopolitical power 
is being developed primarily out of the Ukrainian issue. So the West, the resurrected Roman Empire, that is increasingly resurrecting into its final form as new nations are accepted into NATO, is now operating separately and much more weakly than ever. But Russia now has been catapulted, notwithstanding all of the so-called economic sanctions, has actually been catapulted into greater strength. And for political solace is now uniting with China, with India, with Africa, with the BRIC nations, even in South America. There's a whole new geopolitical group now that is being formed that gives, shall we say, a very interesting application to biblical prophecy. It talks about the kings of the East marching on Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. Talks about the kings of the South and the kings of the North and the kings of the East. That seems to be the biblical layout for the final ultimate battle of humankind. But below all of that, lurking below that, is a spiritual battle that's connected with the geopolitical battle. And we're going to get to that next, friends. The Juicer of Jerusalem Post is telling us about it, and it just came out yesterday. Is this up to, up to date, friends? Are these things relevant? Stay tuned. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Russia and Papal Rome are on a collision course. They've been on a collision course since the days of Pope John Paul II. He actually recognized Russia as the Vatican's greatest, uh, one of its greatest enemies. And first Rome, that is 
the Roman Catholic Church, and third Rome, Russia, is battling for supremacy as king of the mountain. In other words, to be the final world leader. The first Rome, but neither the first Rome nor the third Rome, is ultimately going to rule and reign as this ultimate king of the mountain. Completing this age in the millennium endgame, Christ alone as king of kings and lord of lords is going to have the final word. But in the meantime, which is an urgent time, a precipitous moment in time, in which choices definitely uh, defining eternal destiny are being determined. And that brings us to this article that came yesterday from the Jerusalem Post titled, Vatican Appoints Latin Patriarch in Jerusalem to Position of Cardinal. Now, popes appoint cardinals. That's the second in line in power to the pope. And they're of a high rank, obviously, the second highest rank to, to the papacy itself. But the appointment, this Vatican-Jerusalem cardinal appointment signals diplomatic and religious intentions. Notice diplomatic and religious intentions. In other words, this is about something more than just religion. So, the appointment of Archbishop Pizabala as a cardinal underlies the Vatican's desire to play a more active role in the ongoing diplomatic discussions concerning Jerusalem. Oh, really? Now, if you have not read my book, King of the Mountain, you would not know of how great the Pope's involvement is in Jerusalem and in becoming the Christ figure to rule the world from Jerusalem. It has been the goal of the papacy to rule the world from Jerusalem, the very place where Jesus ruled and reigned, shall we say, and was crucified and rose again there at the Temple Mount. That's the goal of the papacy. As Christ in the flesh or the vicar of Christ. If you do not understand that, it would be very difficult for you to contemplate what the Jerusalem Post is actually saying. Because the problem is much greater. In fact, in my book, King of the Mountain, is a chapter called The Eternal City versus the Holy City. Jerusalem is referred to as the eternal city. Excuse me, the holy city. Rome is referred to as the eternal city. The papacy is not content to rule from the eternal city, but lusts after rulership from the holy city. So these two cities are in consummate conflict. In fact, the Vatican demands the Temple Mount to be placed under the Pope's rule. 
You'll find that right in my book, King of the Mountain, Chapter 17. And if you don't have the book, there's going to be so much you have no comprehension of as to what's really happening in our world and why it is happening. It's not just what is happening, it's why it's happening. Let me give you another taste. God says, this is Jerusalem I have set in the midst of the nations and countries that are round about her. This is Jerusalem, the center of the world from God's eye view. So in this messianic moment, rapidly approaching, all nations shall flow to it, as Isaiah prophesied. And the Messiah shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. Out of Zion, the Bible says, which is a, another way of referring to Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. Listen to the this brazen headline taken from the translated content of an article that appeared in March of 1998 in Germany. Vatican plans to establish Jerusalem as the capital of the world. According to the will of the Vatican, Jerusalem could become the capital of the world. This one-sided claim by Israel does not justify the equality of Muslims and Christians and their claim to the holy city, according to the secretary of the cardinals, Angelo Sedano. In a press release, the Pope invited all people to create conditions in which Jerusalem should fulfill its calling as a city of peace to honor to the honor of God. The Vatican is willing to supply the finances for such an undertaking. According to Catholic dogma, Jerusalem is the most important city universally for the 900 million Catholics on planet Earth. Now, you can take that and say, well, you know, isn't uh, Jerusalem a very important city for Christians? Yes, indeed. Well, why is it the Vatican, then, has done everything it can to lay its hands on Jerusalem? In my book, King of the Mountain, an entire chapter, Eternal City versus Holy City, shows how the Vatican demands that even the Temple Mount be under the Pope. I'm looking at the quote right now. Vatican demands Temple Mount to be placed under Pope rule. It came out in a gripping headline on December 15, 2011. Now, we don't have time to go into all of those details going there into my book, King of the Mountain. You can get that now for just $10. Uh, on this very, very special offer that we have made uh, during the month of September only. However, on February 1st, 2013, Israel National News announced, quote, exclusive, a seat for the Pope at King David's tomb, unquote. The subtitle was, Israel seems to have sold Jerusalem to the Vatican. So, the Vatican wants the Jews out of the old city of Jerusalem, which is biblical Jerusalem. 
sovereignty over Mount Zion is politics, not only religion. So, we are looking at the final efforts of the Vatican and the Roman Catholic Pope to gain dominion over the ultimate city on the planet, Jerusalem. And he is attempting to do that now in a geopolitical move under the banner of religion. But as the article says, the appointment of this new cardinal signals diplomatic and religious intentions, both diplomatic and religious intentions. A Middle East correspondent made this statement. I think Pope Francis assigned uh, Pizabala as a statement. No patriarch in Jerusalem has ever been named cardinal. Pope Francis wanted to launch a message that Rome, the holy seed, is with Jerusalem. The holy see is firmly convinced that whoever administers the city of Jerusalem should adhere to internationally guaranteed principles, and by implication, the Vatican should head up the rulership and oversight of Jerusalem. Now, if that be case, now the way is paved ultimately for the Pope to sit on the throne of David, the very seat, friends, of rulership that God promised to the seed of David through Jesus as the final rulership of the world, as Savior. Do you see what's happening? It's amazing. It's utterly amazing. In addition to that, a brave politician has delivered what was called a damning message to the global tyrants. This came out yesterday. A member of the European Parliament, Christine Anderson, an unyielding uh, opponent of Klaus Schwab's Great Reset Agenda, that is the New World Order and all of his elites. On September 13th, she delivered a no-prisoners uh, warning to the globetarian elite. Before the European Parliament, in a session specifically focused on the COVID-19 response and the World Health Organization, she ended the meeting with a very powerful statement. I do not have time to share with you the whole, the totality of that statement. It was serious, no holds barred, warning the people, do not succumb to global demands again. Do not succumb to global demands regarding the wearing of a mask. Do not succumb to global demands with regard to taking a vaccine. Do not succumb to demands saying you can't go here, you can't go there, you can't worship in your church, and so on. Do not do it. These people do not represent you, the people. As members of parliament, we were 
called and elected to represent you, the people, to continue the fight for freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. And we will not shut up, she said. We will not stop going after these despicable globetarian misanthropists. And that's not all, she said. She said, do not let them scare you anymore. When they get get fear over you, they have power over you. Just say no. Take away their power, and you will be free. Simply say no. And they will no longer have power over you. And then she used a phrase that we don't use here on this program, and I have never used. So I'm not going to use it today. More colorful, but I'm not going to use it. Because words matter. And then finally, today. Shortly before broadcast, the Federal Register received a document from the Biden administration, Department of Health and Human Services, about the Administration for Children and Families. It's about parentage establishment in the Child Support Services Program. And the essence is that all names, gender-specific names, and ideas of parentage and paternity and maternity and so on, will no longer, once this has been established, be used by the government We'll not talk about men and women, fathers and mothers. There are going to have to be other names that are used, euphemistic titles to protect transgenders. In other words, the whole nomenclature of humanity and biology will be changed by the Biden administration to facilitate globalism. Thanks for joining us, friends. Get a copy of my book, King of the Mountain. All the other books, you've just got a few days left on the special offer. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.